Hey, everybody, coming up on today's podcast, we've got some Ford news, like the, the, the full array of Ford news. I mean, we're talking anything from Ice Mountain consolation prizes, um, you know, maybe a new patented uh, way to shift gears. Um, we also have a little bit of information on, you know, maybe some heated seats that you, you know, you might have to pay for that creature comfort. We'll see. On top of that, we've got a few other things about the United States Postal Service, how they're trying to build their fleet back from the junk that it is uh, in hopes to, um, you know, bring you your mail more efficiently. A uh, little Stellantis news, a little Stellantis copyright floating around out there that brings a little interest. And then we've got... Um, some Koenigsegg uh, news. All that and much more coming up on today's podcast. Welcome to the podcast, The Counter Show, the show of shows, probably the greatest podcast on the face of the planet. That is my podcasting partner, Keith, over there. For those of you who don't know, how you doing, Keith? Hey, what's up, uh, Jay? Hello, friends. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're back. What episode is this? Do you know? Man, uh, I think 113, one, isn't it? Okay, sure. Somewhere around there, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 well still the middle 100. of the winter. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, still the middle of the winter, um, and we're looking forward to time changes and temperature changes and getting out of the deep freeze. It, it came late for you guys, didn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, of course, my furnace went out uh, in the middle of it, but uh, it's fixed. It's all good now. Well, it's fixed. Yeah. By fixed, I mean I got a new one. That hurt a little bit. Oh, you spent some money, in yeah. other words. Yeah. yeah. Spent a lot of ton of money. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. uh, I, yeah. It's, it's chilly. I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate. No, knock on wood. No, uh, well, no, no major appliance upsets. Yeah, well, I just, did have a, I did have a leak. I had a dishwasher leak that I fixed myself. Before this podcast is over, mm-hmm. there will be a puddle somewhere. Oh, I mean, you've, you've basically tempted fate at this point. Yeah, I know. That's the way it works. That's kind of like one of those things where, you know, when you walk into a room and you're talking about, you know, who we haven't talked about, you know, who we haven't seen lately. And then they just show up. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, one of yeah. those, one of those things. So, um, wow, man, we've got some exciting topics today. Uh, we're going to kind of go all over the board here. As you heard in the intro, there's a lot of forward news going around. We've got quite a few stories for you today um, and uh, some other interesting technological advances that are going on, including one that Keith and I have talked about a lot about electric vehicle batteries. And that seems to be the biggest challenge right now and how we can take advantage of technology and or improve on current technology. And you heard it here before in our like in our crystal ball that we look at from time to time. 
that we can tell you that what we know is that there's going to be a big, big change in battery um, uh, types the way we know it now is going to be different next year. It has well, to be. And, <clears throat> you know, BMW tends to agree with us, uh, just for the record. I was reading something just yesterday, as a matter of fact, that uh, mm. that the uh, the man in charge over at BMW said, we are not going, I'm paraphrasing everybody, but he said, we are not going all in on the battery thing yet. Now, they've got EVs. They were one of the first to uh, put some of their i-series vehicles uh, out on the road, mm-hmm. but... They are stopping short of making that full commitment of, you know, 100% electrified electrification fleet by what was it like 2035 or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Because he said, look, man, um, the technology is not we have not made enough progress at this point that we can go all in and never Mm -hmm. look back on internal combustion. And I think he's right. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, and one of our stories today, we'll we'll get into we'll we'll get into that a little deeper about you know making that transition from from gasoline engines over to all electric vehicles. Um, and and honestly, I, I'm just going to say this: I think that that fleets and companies that do not embrace that are going to be in trouble. Um, I think yeah. at some point because of the the EPA mandates. And so all of this thing, all of these things, battery technology and, you know, these technological advances that some of the things we're going to talk about today are so important to getting there, to bridging that gap to that next level. Again, you know, we're again, we're not like we're automotive enthusiasts. And if it happens to be an electric vehicle and we think it's cool, we're going to talk about it. That's just the way we are. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's we got nothing to lose by talking about it. And there seems to be an awful lot of interest on every level. And and. um there also seems to be a lot of pushback on every level. And we get it. We get it. Um, and we welcome your comments. And first of all, thank you if you're if you're listening to us today on our podcast over at partscountaguru.com. Thank you for that. Uh, whether you're on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever, we're on every platform. Make sure you subscribe to it so you can get the latest episodes that are coming your way. If you like some of the video segments and stuff, thank you for watching. If you're subscribed, if you're not, make sure you go to youtube.com forward slash parts counting gurus. Hit that subscribe button. Change that subscribe button from red to gray. Hit that bell. Click that bell so you are notified when new episodes like these come out. Um, make sure you go over there and watch some of what Keith just talked about. We had a video that we talked about the CES show in Las Vegas, the Consumer Electronics Show, where one of the biggest features was that BMW uh, color-changing EV, right? The iFlow or whatever it was. Yeah, I think they're they're back to being the cutting-edge R&D company that they were. You know, kind of like when we were we were learning to be car fans. You know, I, I think BMW Absolutely. is kind of good, reaching back into that. They're pushing the envelope. I, I, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying watching this. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, I was not the biggest of BMW fans like in the 80s um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But pre-80s, pre-80s, yeah. some of those earlier 70s models, I loved them. Um and then late 90s and early 2000s, they really, really started to kind of 
you know, transition over into that type VIP type vehicle, performance VIP type vehicle in some yeah. of the models. And, and I really like that direction that they took. So, I'm you know, a, I agree with fan. you on the on the 80s thing. And and just you just reminded me of a uh, you just reminded me of a kind of a weird fact, uh, if you will, like little <laughs> little story for you here. You may not know this. Um, so I I uh, <clears throat> to help kind of pay my way through college. Uh, it was probably just beer money, I think, you know, because my dad bought the books or whatever. beer run, B-E-E-R-B-U-N, beer run. I worked for... Beer run. I worked for a cellular company that shall remain nameless. Actually, they've changed their name several times, if that gives you any clue. But a version of them is still around. And I was an installer. Now, this is back, Jay, when we had transceivers that, if it was a car, we usually mounted them in the trunk. It was... you know, roughly the size of like a little bit smaller, about the size of like a seven inch tablet, like smaller than an iPad, but you know, but thicker, thicker than that. Sure. And then you would put the, you know, we drill holes in the roof and mount an antenna and Mm. you know, they'd have a handset. They called it a handset and you know, you'd mount that like somewhere up usually on the, uh, on the, uh, transmission hump there. Right. Sure. Well, I got to take, everything apart everything i mean we had everything come in there including the time that i uh drilled a hole in the roof of a pontiac uh i forget the name of the minivan but it was the one that was all fiberglass oh that was the uh, transport yeah the transport and didn't know that the body was entirely fiberglass and see you've got to have a metal uh you got if you drill through it for the antenna you got to have a grounding plane it was fiberglass it kind of bore i borked the guys you know right but anyway yeah I got to take everything apart. I learned because of that what was built well and what wasn't. And yeah. a lot of that BMW stuff in the 80s, when I would take it apart yeah. and like look under the panels and the floor mats and floorboards, it was just mm-hmm. junk, man. Yeah. It was a different um, – we were a different market for, for BMW back then, I think. Yeah. Um, I think that if you were to look at some of the 80s vehicles that were sold in Europe, because I was in the – I was in Europe in the 80s. Yeah, and we're surrounded by some of those European models that were not sold in the U.S. Um, and they were a little bit different. Now, construction-wise, quality-wise, I couldn't tell you. Oh, power distribution them. system was wildly yeah. different. That was always yes. a pain to deal with. Uh, yeah, because you had yeah. to tap into power for these phones. You know, it was it sure. was a real mess, man. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. So, you know, BMW. You know, we've got it. We've got a little little. Um, little bit of uh, some information today that's going to bleed into something that we're going to talk about today, um, and it has to do with Ford. Do we want to just kind of kick into some of this stuff yeah, now? Let's, and let's go into the Ford. Uh, let's get into the Ford stuff a little bit here. So um, <clears throat> we've got we got two or three different stories here, but I, I would like to start with this one, probably the most entertaining of the group. Yeah. Um, I. We found this, you or I, I get us confused all the time. One of us found this on uh, the Bronco 6G forum. Yeah. And this guy posted, uh, basically Ford is, if you have a Bronco on on order, but you don't right. have it yet, Ford, it looks like, is starting to send out consolation prizes of uh, a backpack, <laughs> yeah. a Bronco backpack right. and an off-road kit, or an right. off-road kit in the backpack, which right. isn't a bad idea, right? I mean... No. 
Hey, I mean, these well, Overland crowd kind of uh, goes hand in hand with some of this gear, right? So, yeah. So if you dig into this and just all of you listeners out there, you know, if you're a Bronco reservation holder, this should definitely, definitely be, uh, you know, peak your, peak your interest here because um, this is pretty important. Now, back in the summer, what was referred to as Dirt Mountain is now referred to as Ice Mountain. And the reason why that is is because the same Broncos, not all of the same Broncos, but this big, huge holding yard up in Michigan is completely snowed over. And these you've got just thousands of Broncos that are built, halfway built. They're built, but they're missing specific components to help them complete the production. Namely, like the tops and uh, <laughs> the chips and those sorts of things. And they're just sitting out there in the ice and the snow, which has a lot of Bronco owners really worried. Yeah, man. I there mean, was, it's, there's footage of them just like, okay, so. There are, you, there is, there is footage. your stuff just sitting there for months waiting on parts out in the sun and. Heck no. We talked about winter. that back in the summer for, for that. They were, I mean, they're parking some of the, some of these, you know, uh, halfway built vehicles and rock quarries, well, man. Yeah, at I least mean, it's not like GM was doing with the uh, with the Canyon or the uh, correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they're, or the they're just parking them out there in those environments, and it's just not not good. I mean, I personally, as a re- if I were a reservation holder, I, I'll be honest with you, this is just me. I would cancel my reservation. They could have it at this point. I'll go. I'll come back as soon as we get beyond all these shortages. Yeah, and I can order it and know it's in production and it's going to be coming in a specified time. Then I'm good with it. I mean, you're not going to send me a backpack and make me happy. Well, man. it sounds like we're turning a corner with some of the shortages. So you may be you may be able to get out of line and then get back in line in a year or two and probably get one pretty quickly. So well, so you know. just here's the thing too, though. What you need to realize here, folks, is that while you reservation holders are getting one of these from Ford as a consolation prize here, a gift for waiting, um, there is a part number for this thing. And uh, apparently anybody can buy one. So look at this, um, man! You went out there and you found the part number for it. Yeah, it's uh, part number is a sixteen oh two seventy two. And here's what's in it. You want to know what's in it? Yep. Uh, you get one carry bag, of course. You get a fire extinguisher, which that's he. That's actually a great idea. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, some cool stuff. Let, let's go down the list here. Yeah. So you get a fold up shovel. Another good you get, idea. You need to yep. have one of these in an overlanding kit anyway, right? Right. Um, you get three emergency waters right, or 125 now, milliliters. Seriously, each. I mean, is right. this is this go with our dehydrated water? I mean, come on, <laughs> right. man! You, you get a little yeah. pouch with water. It. I mean, are yeah. we are people that like? Are yeah. are you not? Are you that inexperienced in overlanding that you don't know better than to take extra bottles and containers of drinking water? Well, you got to know though that there's people sitting around a table that. Or just go, so what do we put in this bag? You know, right? It's a survivalist bag, supposedly. Emergency bag. And it's of an all the kit. choices, emergency water made the cut. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> all right. All right. So, so, yeah. So it has a water reservoir, obviously a container. But you got to uh, uh, yeah, yeah. have something Which, to drink said water. Know, in right, said water, yeah. right. Waterproof matches. Um, 
folding multi-tool, which we've talked about. If you go, yeah. for those of you who aren't subscribed, please subscribe to our, our, our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Parts County Gurus. There are videos over there. There's also podcasts where we talk with, with the one and only Rothmeyer about what you should bring on a camping adventure. You can check out that podcast over at PartsCountyGuru.com and click on the podcast link and you can find that. But then we've got, uh, did I say folding multi-tool, which yep. is important, uh, emergency blanket, um, pair of work gloves, a roll of duct tape, um, some cable ties, uh, shop towel, uh, Gojo branded towelettes, um, a light stick, emergency whistle, and some tether straps. That's it. So I mean, honestly, it's a good kit to have. If you don't have is, all I that mean, stuff in 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 you own a four wheel drive, you need to just get yourself a backpack and start shoving that stuff in there. I mean, minus the fire extinguisher, everything else in there is you could do all of this for easily under $20. yourself. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, you could. I mean, you, there are stores that are solely dedicated to this. If you know yeah. an outdoor store, you can get everything you need, and and uh, you can actually get everything you need online as well. Um, in fact, you know, we'll. I think you can even buy a similar backpack on Amazon. We'll we'll give you some links. Just make sure you you follow our links. We'll mention we've mentioned this on the podcast. So go to the mentioned on the podcast um, link, and we'll we'll try to put a link there for something similar, or if not this thing itself, where you can buy it from Ford. So, um, and, you know, I got no uh, got no beef with uh, sharing their product. Um, but you know, I, I I guess it is a move in the right direction for Ford to kind of you know maybe maybe this is a good sign that your vehicle's coming. I will say this: this same Bronco Six Jeep Forum. Um, I went to their Ice Mountain uh, page where they were talking about the holding, the vehicle holdings. Now, for those of you who don't know who Bron- Bronco 6G Forum is the go-to for this new generation Bronco, they've got some great information over there, some good graphs on what's being built, what isn't built, who's waiting on it. And I did a little little research on they've got, and these are all five, these are all Bronco 6G Forum members. Um, I did the math on it, and they've got a spreadsheet on what's built and what's in production and what's sitting on Ice Mountain. It's quite interesting. Um, and there is over or nearly 500 people sitting. So we know of 500 people right now that are waiting to get their Broncos that are sitting on Ice Mountain or in Ice Mountain up in Michigan, uh, covered in snow and ice. And um, there were also leaked videos, like Keith said, of of these sitting there. But there's also, we don't know, we can only speculate what's going on, but some of the technicians that are actually going out to individual Broncos with hoods up, whether they're installing a final piece to get the thing out of production and on into in delivery, or are they just one by one periodically checking things on a, on a list of periodic maintenance? Things? We don't know, but it looks like they are getting closer to delivering these things. Um, and um, we hope that uh, you enjoy your backpack, you uh, you reservation holders, you. <laughs> if they even get that far, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. How, how many of these are going to end up in you know some Ford sales guys like <laughs> right? You know storage cabinet where he's giving them away to his favorite customers but yeah we'll right see. I, I would have rather have had like a bottle of bourbon with mine with yeah. a bronco on it oh you with know? the bronco just, on it yeah the bronco yeah. bourbon there you go yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, hey did we just kind of once keep, again as always, right like yeah as always we're, we're coming up with ideas for hey if uh, ford if you'd like to add us to your marketing team 
just you know how to get us at parscountyguru.com forward slash contact us. Okay. There you go. So what else we got, man? Well, this coming, is, is coming down off of Ice Mountain, which I got to say, <laughs> I did not know of Ice Mountain until kind of this whole topic came yeah. up. But now yeah, I do. it's a big deal. It's uh, it's Dirt Mountain, but it's I, got ice on it now. I got to so. say, like, I'm, I'm glad at this point, I am glad that I canceled my Bronco reservation. I think I think that there are a lot of people that are waiting. Yes, was probably going to be the better. I'm just not a huge fan of stuff sitting out, you know, in in the environment for months. Supposedly, yeah, I know. And supposedly, some of these reservation holders, by the way, Keith, are are getting like a thousand Ford bucks to yeah. spend for accessories yeah. and stuff. And some folks are wondering if this is if this is going to come out of that, they're not sure, but we'll, we'll just wait and see yeah. anybody from anybody who owns a Ford Bronco that is now waiting for it. And it's supposedly in production. Why don't you reach out to us? Yeah. You want to come on the podcast and talk about your experience? We'd love to have you. Come on, come leave on a, down, leave a comment in the YouTube video. Sure. Whatever, man. Uh, Absolutely. Okay. So, so uh, some other Ford news here. Yeah. Um, this, uh, I, I love these, these, these people, First of all, I, I would say I wish I had this kind of time, but honestly, if I had this kind of time, I don't know that I would be doing it. But there are people that sit out there and troll. Uh, once you are granted a patent in the U.S. Patent Office, it, it right. basically becomes public information. Your, yes. Your, your patent filing does once it's yeah. approved or granted. Yeah. So um, and there are people out there that that's they, that's all they all do. they do is just read through the approved patents. I mean, this is Apple's had a lot of stuff exposed in recent years over you know people finding things out this way and so on so right. there's one out of ford that's that's really interesting in a segment i'd like to call i don't need your stinking clutch <laughs> <laughs> i don't need no stinking clutch so um apparently ford's working on a, a manual transmission if you will that shifts without yeah. the use of a clutch pedal right um and I checked out the patent on that. I looked at that thing. It's 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 interesting technology. Now here's the deal, though. Here's what's funny. Hyundai back in 2018, um, they also came out with what they call a no clutch pedal type transmission, and it's it's it senses. The, the change, it's it's kind of like it's an intelligent shift. They call it an intelligent manual transmission. It's the IMT. There's an IMT sensor on it. It senses when you're going to slam it into gear. and all, you know, yeah, it's, all, but- it's all electronic censored. So it takes the human element really kind of out of it. That's Hyundai. It's kind of more of a hybrid, though. I mean, even this one, and I did look at this patent, and I've got it, I've got it up here. And yeah. It's kind of it just hybrid. Like this really to me is more similar to a paddle shifter style than exactly. It is yeah, really I thought that a, this was nothing new to me. It, it yeah, I got I got the same impression. But I will say that if if your goal is to try and introduce people that would otherwise be afraid to learn a manual transmission mm-hmm. and get them exposed this way, I guess I'm okay with it. I mean. You and I, and I'm guessing a lot of the rest of our our viewers and and listeners had similar experiences. When we, if you've l- ever learned to drive a stick, you know you almost have to just get thrown into the deep end of the pool to some extent, right? Like you start right. usually a parking lot, 
But at some point, you're going to have to learn to start on a hill, right? Right. When you, you know, I mean, you're just going to have to do it. And and we've all had the joke where, like, I've literally killed it, right, as a teenager. And, you know, whoever was teaching me is out the other window going, he's learning to drive a stick, you know, and everybody right. goes, oh, yeah, we got it. Okay, yeah. I mean, because uh, this, the, well, okay, so here, so let's... Um, so Let's, it's yeah. It, 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 let me just say this. So, you know, one of the part of the patent that I was looking at, it does show a foot controller. Okay, I, I do see that, but I don't know what what the extent of that is. Um, so this is this is an electronic transmission. It's not. It's basically taking away that um, that clutch plate, pressure plate, clutch disc. Engaging feature, which is all hand, it's 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 all hand, feet, and eye coordination, and um, yeah. Which so to me, here are here are some specifics. The patent yeah. is stated to be for a manual transmission with an electric clutch. So right. the clutch is electric. One where uh, the clutch releases hydraulics and um, it's pressurized by a master cylinder. So I'm guessing similar to the way your brakes work. Correct. Uh, operated again by an electronic actuator. Now, is that the foot part, or is that? Well, that's it. Because I was reading the same thing, and that's the question I have now. You know, current. If if it's a manual transmission, you have what they call a clutch master cylinder, and you have a master cylinder as well as what they call a slave cylinder. The slave cylinder mounts down right on the transmission itself. So you've got a couple of mechanisms right. working. To make that happen, whereas my guess is is that the slave cylinder goes away, it becomes all that becomes electronic. You still have to have some sort of hydraulic going on, some sort of master cylinder, I guess. Unless it's master cylinder, they call it, and it's an electronic component, like a module or a sensor of some sort. I don't know. But this will be interesting. Well, it's different enough from your traditional clutch manual transmission yeah. that the the US patent office granted for to patent for it so the so the right. patent office felt like it was unique enough to um, yeah. to 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 you know to receive its own patent right. and uh just everybody no guarantee that because Ford or anybody else receives a patent that this is going into production they may use this uh in a future generation and it they may have several revisions of this product before it ever sees the light of day so right and a lot of the stuff that I had read, the commentary that I that that I read, um, there's a lot of speculation that there's this could be the next for the next generation Mustang. Um, and as we all yeah. know, there has been talk of a hybrid version of that Mustang, and um, you know it still remains to be seen whether or not it's going to well, have that start stop feature on it as well. I mean, think about it from this perspective. If you truly want to be competitive in a quarter mile, um, having so having the ability to control when the shift happens is 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 a big thing, right? Like, yeah, you know, as opposed to an automatic transmission that's always going to shift at a certain RPM. Well, if you're trying to get you're trying to hit that that sweet spot and keep it there for a minute or a few seconds, that's maybe not ideal, right? To get mm-hmm. the most power transfer yeah so something like this is kind of that that hybrid right you you can control to some extent when the shift happens in terms of when in the rpm cycle but also you're taking away that delay that you would have 
in the normal foot clutch transfer system. Right. Right. And, you know, I don't know about you, man. Here's how I feel about it. And I know I'm going to have the backup of all of our fans out there. There is nothing better than rocking the straight up old shifting gears with a manual uh, clutch type transmission, man. I'm telling you, you there's nothing better than that. I've got some friends that have kids that are near side shots age. Have you heard this philosophy? Um, a lot of, a lot of parents are looking towards some sort of a manual transmission as a first vehicle for a lot of their kids. Cause you, the whole idea is to keep them, to keep their hands away from their phone. Now that is extremely intelligent. Hats off to mom and dad who are doing that because it keeps them occupied. It makes them, right. um, basically, uh, pay attention to what they're now, doing. You probably did the same thing I did, though. But for us, it was like a McDonald's drink cup, right? And you're like trying to shift, and you know I had no cup holder, and it would like end up between, you know, holding oh. between my legs, and oh yeah, to do man. the awkward shift with it, or yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, you know, I my first manual transmission that I drove was a uh, a 1959 Ford. Uh, pickup truck that my dad had well that was that was Um, up here right it was three on the tree man and um he wanted me to learn that because um he said that's a step the first vehicle ever owned was a manual transmission um and that was by design Uh, of course i drove some tractors and stuff which that's easy that's i learned on a tractor you know that's easy um but when you're driving a three on the tree you got to understand how it works transmissions have changed so much over the year. I mean think about the think about the ones that were on the, the push button on the dash that there were a lot of vacuum controls um you just hit the button on the dash and yep. and you know people think that you know like that's something new that you're seeing in some of these modern day vehicles that was very futuristic for back in those days and now you know it, it's it's here we are in 2022 and we got vehicles with push button starts and you know, getting getting rid of just getting rid of the key. Period. You know, you got these fobs, these smart fobs and right. stuff, where you can start the vehicle, remote start, and all that stuff. It's technology is great. Embrace it, people. It's fun. Now, this is definitely a step in the right direction, I think, for automakers, specifically Ford here, to go. Especially if you're a muscle car builder, a performance type vehicle builder, you got to have something to go to here, man. Um, and I think that this is a step in the right direction. How long this will be before we see something like this in one of their vehicles, I have no idea. I just know that we are all dreading the day when the manual transmission completely goes away. And in fact, I will tell you right now, people, that one of the reasons why Keith would not go forward with his Ford Bronco reservation was because he could not get a V6 with that manual transmission. Is that right? right? Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, that, that was the that deal. 2.7 is automatic only. And there was some reference to Ford, the Bronco, maybe using this type of transmission in those scenarios. So we'll see. And I would actually do that. I would, I would, that would be enough of a, uh, I, meeting me halfway on a, some sort of a hybrid transmission like yeah. this, I would go for it because it, that I, is a, it would accomplish only, what I was hoping, which is when you're truly off pavement, yeah, you have a, a manual control over that transmission. Right. Just as you have a manual control over the, well, it's electronic control to manually change yeah. 
the suspension. I get that. That's a lot easier. That's a different animal there. Disengage and re-engage yeah. to get that flexibility when you're right. crawling rock. But this, yes, absolutely, to have that control over that that transmission when you're off-roading like that is so important, man. You can control. It's 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 like it's that feel. There is so much feel when it goes into this stuff, man. You got to have a you got to have someone you know spotting you, but you you as a driver, you got to feel that, man. Man, I remember the first time I let my wife drive my Z car. Uh oh. Uh, this was back when I had the black Z Roadster, and I I just yeah. gotten it like it was less than a you know year old. It was probably six months old, and right. I remember like like hiding like looking out the window like i as she got far <laughs> enough away that she couldn't see that i was watching her like i was i was i was uh clenched up a little bit listening just <laughs> making sure there were you know just hoping she didn't grind it right <laughs> you know just yeah so uh I, we'll see but i mean yeah this is again one of those things if you're not subscribed everybody you need to be because we're bringing this information to you way early i guarantee you this is going to show up somewhere uh later and and so will bert I'd say I told you so. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Um, so, so here's a question for you, Keith. Yeah, we've got so much to talk about today. Um, do we want to switch gears a little bit and um, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, maybe the new mail trucks, or do we want to go to Stellantis, or do we want to go to the? Uh, Koenigsegg. You take your pick. Roll the dice. Flip, flip a coin. We've got uh, another piece of forward news, but you want to stay in that vein? Let's do the... Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah. So so here's why. I, I And 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 I can I can make the case for why this is relevant. So... Okay. Um, this is on the surface that appears to be forward news, but um, on... The deeper you get into this, the more you realize it's really automotive in general. It's where the manufacturers' heads are and what their mindset is. Now, right. when I read this, the first couple days that this, that I've had a lot of time to process this. Mm-hmm. There are pros and cons to this. Uh, what we're talking about, everybody, is that there was a recent um, press release that uh, Jim Farley, who's the CEO of Ford, gave over the Ford e-transit van. And the question was presented to him, do you think that Ford will like have a subscription model where they charge for things like heated seats? Right. Now, this is something and, that BMW has been right. toying with for a while. They've made the press cycles because of it recently. Their comments around it were basically you pay for it when you need it, right? Right. We have a we have a Lexus. It's a 2017 and to be able to start the car remotely, we have to pay, I think it's 15 or $16 a month. And, you know, my wife loves it because in the wintertime you can warm the car up and all that. Right. But come on, man. I mean, really, I got to pay you a subscription service for the remote start feature to be unlocked. Yeah, it's so, it's crazy. Those things should be features that come with the vehicle, period. This is what I pay for. Yeah. You know? Now, now Farley said, and I think this is the right response, he said, it would surprise me if we charged for heated seats. And Ford being kind of a blue collar, like unless it's the Ford GT, right? Unless you're going into some of the high end stuff, like that's just not their model. And if they step into that, I think it's a dangerous place for them to go, which is exactly why, Jay, when you and I were talking about this months back and Rivian released their fourth quarter 
uh, earnings report, and they talked about their future plans with their investors, with their shareholders, and they said, we anticipate that we're going to be able to generate, and I don't remember the amount, but it was a ton of revenue. Yeah. Over the next decade in recurring subscription services. It was substantial. It was substantial when they were filing for the IPO. And, you know, they were explaining that that was where they expected that revenue to come from. Um, and by the way, guys, you can watch that video over on uh, youtube.com forward slash parts kind of guru. We actually talk about that Rivian subscription stuff. So check that out. Now, you know, on the one hand, you and I think you said, hey, I, I pay for a car. I want my car. Like, stop trying to charge me for a car that right. I already own. Give me the list of things that I can add on to it and let's yeah. move on. And I, I tend to agree with that. The more I thought about this, I thought, okay, but does this help us with the whole planned obsolescence situation? Like, could they be basically making these things to stay on the road longer if there was some sort of promise of additional revenue after the sale for those manufacturers? Because they don't have well, to, you don't have to build another Bronco. Like, you sell this one, and then you continue to go back to that well of that customer and re-monetize, right? Mm-hmm. An existing right. product, and it's it's. This is what Apple's been doing since Steve Jobs died. Like they just keep going back to the rel of re- re- recurring revenue. Apple Card. Wow, I had a yeah. little, I had a little wascally wabbit. Yeah. Wabbit. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the well of recurring revenue. Uh, sorry, everybody. So, <laughs> yeah, the Apple Card, that music subscription, the iCloud subscription, Apple TV. I mean, it's Apple all TV plus now, right? Yeah, <clears throat> everything Paramount you, Plus. It's, yeah, it's all I mean, crazy. Could this be? I mean, even though none of us would be thrilled about that monthly charge. Well, I, I would not be thrilled with it. Um, but what worries me is that they're going to take the same approach because it's, a, it, you know, look, it's it's business to consumer product. It's a it's a consumer product and products are designed to, to not last forever. I mean, if they last forever, then you never get anybody coming back for a new one. And so my fear is that after a vehicle that they have produced at up to a certain point, they just say, Hey, we're not supporting the software on this vehicle anymore. And then you're, you're just kind of left on your own kind of like what's going on with what happened to, to basically me over the last two years where I've said to you guys on this podcast that I own everything Apple. I'm a MacBook pro guy. I have an iMac and I have an iPhone, iPads. We're 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 there. We got the Apple TV box, and Apple we, 2GS, we, PowerBook right, 145B. <laughs> right, we are in the Apple ecosystem. That's what we are. This is what we do. We like it. Macintosh but, Plus. Yeah, but that's about, the one that was in Jerry Seinfeld's apartment. Yes, it was. It yeah. was. It was. So you know, for me, I fear what I just had to go through, which is planned obsolescence, and basically, I was stuck with a perfectly operating. Yeah. iMac from 2009. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just Apple doesn't support it anymore. In other words, none of the apps are supported, so I can't use it. Well, can't they, update them. They don't work. Yeah, they intentionally design new software features, right. and right. those things have such a heavy demand requirement that it won't work on the slower, older stuff. Correct. And I think that technology is 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 kind of a it's good and it's bad because. They want to move you into the new generation of things because it's much more efficient. It's easier on the the manufacturer in supporting that. It makes complete sense, but I only fear that automakers are going to take the same approach that our 
PC builders, you know, like like uh, you know, uh, uh, Steve, Bill Gates, and and you know, and yeah, and, Michael and, Dell, and, Dell all, yeah. all these guys, right. these these manufacturers of home computers and, and any electronics. That just basically after five six years it's obsolesced it's done we, we're not going to push you an update anymore so you're on your own if you well, want to drive that and on the android side the cell phone market you know google if you own a google like their life cycles two to three years and they just stop releasing security updates for it after that like that's it right like right you, even a well, bug patch here, here's the other thing that i fear too is that the epa is it could get involved with this to where if they don't support that update anymore say Ford doesn't push over-the-air updates to these things anymore, which keeps them EPA compliant or emissions compliant within whatever region zone that you're in, and you have emissions tests that you take where they just plug plug it in. You know, Now it's plug it into the OBD and test it. Right. If you're not getting the update that gives you the latest version and or the what the EPA requires, they could shut you down. You, can, you, you may not even be able to get a license for it anymore. I mean, this, this is my, my brain thinking of, I don't right. mind technology, but it's also and these subscriptions and stuff. You know, it, it bothers me to the extent of where the personalization of of owning a vehicle is 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 going away. It's no longer uh, uh, an extension of you. You know, like you used to always say that the guy driving the Corvette is the you know. He's, you see an image of this guy in this, this like paisley shirt with his with a button down and a hairy chest and a big gold chain. Oh no, you got sunglasses. four or five chains. Like it, it can't be just right. one. You, know, you got to go. You know, like I mean, Mr. T style with the yeah. Right, right. I mean, you're, you're not going to have any more of the guys around. Like we've got a guy locally here. He he goes by the handle of the Corvette man. You know, I mean, he's it's an he's an it's an extension of who he is what he does and and he drives corvettes and he builds them and you know it's, it's cool so these are the things that i fear for these types of subscription um uh systems subscriptions yeah. you know you know these luxuries that you might want just buy the damn car yeah you know, it is uh, yeah. it is kind of a dangerous uh you know the the whole slippery slope argument i i agree it, it's kind of i don't know that we want to we want to go down that path i don't um, want to i mean certain things yeah i would you know like if it's if it's if it's infotainment stuff but a heated seat or yeah. you know long longer range uh you know give me the longer if yeah. it's an update to a vehicle that's going to give you longer range that should be good for me because you own a vehicle that should be customer loyalty type updates in right, my opinion right anyway right. I, I you know hey yeah. that's just me so all right well while we're on the topic of uh potential train wrecks um <laughs> man i just i feel bad part of me feels bad for beating up on the postal service and part of me kind of <sighs> secretly enjoys it because they've kind of brought this on themselves by just decades of just like mismanagement and you know i i, I have my theory I, on this I, by the I, way i digress okay so we have uh okay <laughs> so we talked about this a while back uh the postal service has been shopping around for contracts on their new we used to call them the mail truck or the mail jeep or they weren't yeah. jeeps the last the current generation is a chevrolet engine uh right it was originally placed in the uh s10 um yeah it, it was not by any means a reliable or efficient engine. No. 
Um, but these are the kinds of things that, the, you know, it's a government. It, it's basically the lowest bidder, like, because we right. didn't learn anything from the space shuttle. They all run like crap. Yep. Um, period. If, if you haven't heard the rattles of your your your, oh, your you, postal you worker, know coming, um, you know it's sure. coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, just like, holy cow, man, the mail, mail, mail guys here or mail gals here, whatever, you know. So they're so they're uh, they're they're looking at uh, well okay so they had made a, a decision or a commitment in one direction and news comes out on that now this one um, it was well it's it's the contract was awarded to Oshkosh Defense in the spring of 2021 Which makes okay perfect sense to me right i mean you want to be uh relying on an automotive manufacturer that has tons of experience in the fleet vehicle industry so you go with a company that nobody's ever heard of right <laughs> right right i mean <laughs> what right. are you yeah so these guys were yeah they were they were hooked up for the replacement of the um there's about 150,000 of those what they call the Grumman long life vehicles or what we call LOVs which mm-hmm. Keith just mentioned which is basically an S10 pickup truck and they use those 2.5 liters now me being in the engine component manufacturing side of the industry for years I'm very aware of it there's a lot of production engine rebuilders out there that have these contracts on the rebuilding of the mail trucks for the government right and just sending out valve train in droves for these things. I mean, just it it's the gift that keeps on giving. That's how bad these things are designed. They're not very good at all. They get crappy gas mileage. And that's what's going to lead us into the story. So we're here we are in 2022, right? And it's now time for a new replacement. And the big talk is... EPA, you know, I mean, we're a change. decade and a half past these things being time to be oh, replaced. Oh my goodness, man! They, they can. Okay, so I think that the gas mileage, the EPA gas mileage rating on these things, the average is eight point two miles to the gallon. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of idling going on. Well, they're um, carrying a ton of weight. I mean, they're carrying a ton know. of weight. It's not. It's a two point five. It's it's a four cylinder engine. Um, these guys are basically driving up, slamming the thing in the park, putting a parking brake on and getting out and stuffing boxes, man. That's what they do. They're going point A to point B. These are your last mile delivery vehicles. That's This is what these are. Now, in podcast past, we talked about last mile delivery vehicles, which Amazon, if you want to check out our last podcast or any of our videos on that at partscountaguru.com, uh, forward slash podcast, please go there or go to youtube.com forward slash parts kind of gurus and hit the subscribe button for us. Uh, you'll see those videos, but Amazon has invested into uh, the 100,000 electric vehicles from Rivian, which are huge delivery vans, but now they've, they're going after Stellantis for the last mile type vehicle, which they're going to tap into the all electric uh, um, ram van that's going to be coming out uh for amazon anyway i'm i'm getting off the main subject here which is the u.s postal service is at a point to where they are they're being asked to replace this stuff and as part of the uh infrastructure bill i think and uh you know uh, i think biden had had part of the, the 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 epa strategy was to get some money to the US Postal Service to help them replace this stuff 11.3 billion um 
dollar contract, I think is what it was for uh, a gas-powered truck purchase, which I found in itself to be very odd, Keith. Yeah, so, I mean, um, we have Amazon basically proving that it can be done with an EV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've not only proved that, proven that, they're now redoubling their commitment to, you know, Rivian and Stellantis, like we just talked about, and like we've talked about many times, and and um, basically solidifying that as the next generation delivery vehicle. And we have basically Grumman, the Grumman, the military contractor, right? Right. Coming right. out with kind of a two decades old version. Now, part of this is, again, I think, Jay, because it's going to a low bidder. And mm-hmm. if they were, efficiency isn't cheap, right? Right, right. So we're going to have to do this. I mean, the, the, the mail service is already broke. I mean, they're, they're, they're beyond broke. So they and I have, have my no theory. On, I have my theory on this, by the way, and we'll get into that here in just a second on, on, I mean, on what's going on. But why? It's kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, if you will, from you know a government that is simultaneously pushing for cleaner fuel vehicles, right? And, then and putting something like this on the road. I mean, right. And to that point, and to that point, what we're about to tell you, you know, the EPA sent a letter to the U.S. Postal Service and said that the whole reason to buy new mail trucks was to make them cleaner, better, and safer. The EPA said last fall that it had a problem with how the U.S. Postal Service conducted an earlier EIS about the truck purchase and that the final EIS remained seriously deficient. In other words, they investigated this. They they took bids. They're, they're, they're looking into how can we best... Um, how can we best combat the problem of climate and run efficient and be safer all in one and going so and going in the direction of a gas vehicle in the middle of an electric vehicle revolution made absolutely no sense to me and um, so the company the, the one thing that stuck out the most to me was 8.2 miles per gallon is what the old ones got yeah, these new ones, the gasoline versions are only eight point six. Oh well, that's a huge improvement. Miles I mean, I can see now. Wait, now here. <laughs> so those came out in what decade, Jay? I'm not asking you for the specific year, but what it was the '80s, right? It was definitely the '80s. Yes. Okay. So let's see. Let me. I'm just. I'm not. I'm no math lead here. Let me just do some quick radio math. All right. So '80s to '90s. That's ten years. Ninety to 2000, That's twenty years. Forty years. Forty years, Jay. We're coming up on forty years. In forty yeah. years, we have made the groundbreaking advancement of 0.4 miles per gallon. Right. And on the ugly scale. Wow. On the ugly scale. So the ugly scale of the old version was about an 8.2. The ugly scale on the new version, in my opinion, is about a 9.5. It looks like, it looks like Howard the Duck. It really does. And here's what I got to say. They must be really expecting for some some postal service workers to have really big heads. I don't know, because that windshield is like the size of a football field. Man. Yeah, it's It crazy. makes no sense to me. How can that be safer, right? Think uh, about it. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I know there's I mean, factors a, involved here that we don't know. I that's I know a whole that lot of space to fly through through the windshield, man. If you get rear-ended, this is just not. I I yeah, man. I just think it all comes back to they just didn't have the money to do it right. Okay, you want to hear my theory on yes, this? Yes, please. Okay, in recent news, the U.S. Postal Service is it's it's been questionable as whether or not it's going to operate. As we all know, it operates privately. Okay. When you get this amount of money offered by the government to help replace it, and then you don't, and you do this, shame on you. You you had your moment. You could have done it. I think that this is the nail in the coffin for the U.S. Postal Service, that this is what's going to put them down because they are not going to be able to reach this goal. They're not going to make it. I think that the government, the EPA, is going to shut them down because they're not going to fund them anymore, and this is the way to get it get get the nail in the coffin. That's my opinion. What do you think? I I think you might be onto something. I think this might be uh, a, 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 an episode or a podcast that I have to dog ear and come back to in the near future for an "I told you so." Uh, it would be interesting. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean, you think about it, all the, the writing's on the wall with these guys. Now, I will say this. I, personally, I am a fan of the U.S. Postal Service. Always have been and always will be for two reasons. There are certain things that I like to get in the mail. Also, I like the convenience of being able to drop something in the mail at a local post office and have that one-on-one with your postal worker that you see every single day. That person has a job. That person has a family. That person is most likely a veteran because the U.S. Postal Service hires a lot of veterans. So that's my concern about it. If we lose it, that's my opinion. Mr. McFeely Um, will be out of work. Yeah, yeah, man. But I do really think that this is the writing on the wall. I think that they're going to pull the plug on them here. Uh, It's just been a mess, man. Yeah, Because the Postal Service said that there's no way with that amount of money that they can go all electric. They don't have... They need more money to do it, and the government's not going to give it to them. I mean, is there anybody in in the business world, tycoons, you know, Elon Musk's, uh, uh, R- Richard Branson, you know, yeah. uh, Shark Tank, all the people on Shark Tank, right, the Mark Cubans, is there anybody in this world that could fix this? That could, yeah, that I, know, could I know exactly who it is. Service? Who? Yep. I, know exa- I know exactly who it is. It's just it's a quick name change and a badge, and that's it. You're done. Who? Jeff Bezos is going to call. The U.S. Postal Service will become Amazon. Okay. It will become Prime. Oh, yeah. ooh, ooh. Now, well, now, now you've just opened the conspiracy theory box. Is that why he left? Is that why he stepped down from Amazon so he could start up this? Uh, wow. You never wow. know. You never know. Okay. Wow. This just everybody. Uh, this is uh, make sure you subscribe. Conspiracy yeah. theory day. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you subscribe to our uh, our, our our podcast here at parscountyguru.com uh, forward slash podcast. That's the podcast link there. You click on that. You can subscribe to any level of platform that you want, whether that be uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Or is it Intune or t- it's TuneIn? TuneIn, yeah. Uh, then Google Google Podcasts, et cetera. Just make sure you subscribe to that. And then make sure you catch these video segments over on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash parts kind of gurus. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you turn that subscribe button from red to gray. Ring that bell. Click that bell to be notified when more of these videos come out. All right, Jay. Stellantis. 
Ooh. Or, or Koenigsegg. Koenigsegg. I say Stellantis. Let's go Stellantis. All right. All right. You ready? So, yeah, this is like the second patent. Uh, well, this is a copyright, but it's the second, like, registry story that we've got. Yeah. Today, on, yeah. On, the story the of the registry. Yeah. 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 The story of the filing, the filing of the technologies. Uh, this so, one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that remember. If you've listened to any of our podcasts or watched any of our episodes that Keith and I have always said, stop paying attention to what's going on right now and thinking that this is going to be the technology that we're going to live on for decades to come because it's not. What we are doing right now is bridging the gap to future technologies. We have to get there by starting somewhere and battery electric vehicles as we know them using the lithium ion batteries in the state that they are we think they're going to be moving very quickly into a solid state battery we know that you guys out there that are not electric vehicle owners that refuse to buy one that swear you're never going to buy one a lot of your fear is range a lot of your fear is functionality in a cold weather event whether you can survive in the cold and all of these sorts of things well we think that stellanus is probably listening to all of these things wouldn't you say keith yeah, they're up to something for sure. So yeah. what they are saying, and they're not, you know, that you kind of have to read in between the line on a lot of these things or lines. True, um, true. And draw your own conclusions. You know, same thing with like Apple, you know, just you see the patent, but it's a small component of a bigger picture. Same right. thing here, right? So they're calling this a vehicle power supply backup. Now, what in the right. world does that mean? Well, yeah. it could mean a couple things. Um, and, and as I looked through it, there's two different voltage systems, uh, yep. in this thing. 800 and 400. Yes. And so, um, basically the, the, the one theory, the easy one, the low hanging fruit is, oh, well, you're going to run all your accessories, if you will, right? Headlights, uh, charging for your phone, brake lights, uh, all on one system. Mm-hmm. And then the other system is actually the drivetrain power. Right, right. That's kind of theory number one. Right, which, by the way, this story is coming to us from Mopar Insiders. And um, they have a very clever take on on one of the things that they would like to see this thing become. But there's a lot of speculation around what it will be if it ever comes to fruition. But I like the the idea of it as a backup in emergency situations for those people who have the range anxiety in other words it's 100 miles before we get to well let's say jay that i'm stuck in this winter storm that's blanketed <laughs> yeah. the country right <laughs> and i've been sitting in uh traffic in my you know tesla model 3 for an hour and 20 minutes and uh i've only got you know uh 80 75 miles of range left and i you right. know have to run the heat so i don't freeze to death you guys it doesn't take that much power to, to power the the onboard systems in these cars it takes nowhere near the power that it takes to actually move the that's the, right the, the tires yeah. but so you, I, yeah but i digress so yeah so you have your backup system mm-hmm. and that way you know but but then okay so now now you've now you've baited me into this but then <laughs> then do you just become like my wife like you don't fill the gas tank up until the gas light comes on, right? So those those markers on your fuel gauge, Ooh. 
that say like Ooh. half tank, quarter tank, those just get ignored as long as you have that backup system, right? Right. So people then just become dependent upon the reserve system and they never they never really paid. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I digress. Yeah. But the other potential use of this, which I'm kind of a fan of, is you have a higher, uh, basically, capacity battery system that can be used for a shorter amount of time for performance power. Right. Think like the Tesla Model S Plaid or something like that, right. where you just want to go stupid fast for a short period of time, say for a drag racing purpose. Maybe they put this on... You know, whatever that SRT team went to work on. Right. Uh, right. Because we know that they disbanded that team. Maybe it's some sort of performance vehicle. Right. The engineers went, they spread up, out, spread out about through uh, Stellantis. Right. So they're still out there. The team disbanded, but the same intelligent minds of the SRT program are, are still around. Um, I get that. And I think that if, if this is a true sign that Stellantis is taking the we have to get into the EV movement strong. Um, They're spending some, money on R&D, and this yes, is your they proof. Are. They are filing, this is the proof of it. Filing for protection, and that means right. they've been working on stuff. There's R&D going right. on. Yep. Right. And, you know, when this happened, when Stellantis took over FCA Chrysler, um, you know, people, people thought, well, here we go again, right? Well, Stellantis is actually pretty smart about this because now they have this huge array of technology in front of them to help them achieve that higher goal which is to become uh, an ev manufacturer giant out there and i think that they have that capability because yeah, well, they're inserted in mind, globally uh well you know you might be thinking well this is going to show up in a chrysler i i wouldn't start there if it's especially if it's a performance thing you put yeah. it in a maserati for keep in mind that they own uh, other badges besides just ram uh jeep chrysler Ooh. Alpha Romeo, right? They've Ooh. got lots of badges under their under their banner. So if this is a performance thing, you know, it's most expensive at the top. You put it in your high-end vehicles, and then that technology trickles down as Ooh. it becomes less expensive to develop. Yes? Ooh, you got me thinking, man. Wonder if wonder if SRT will become the new, like the SRT vehicles will be like some sort of like hypercars Ooh. in the future. There you go. You know, Stellantis' own hypercar. Yeah. The SRT program. Ooh, this would be a way to go, you know, with electric motors and that boost, like you were saying, that extra jolt that you need. You know, similar to what their their 4xE program is, is set up on. That 4xE, that electric assist, is designed specifically to assist during those those hard off-roading mm-hmm. environments to give them that oomph. And um, so, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. So, um there is not a whole heck of a lot of information out there on this yet. We just know that they've applied for the copyright or patent that might be coming down the road. Um, there are really limited. When you there's absolutely zero information on it. Um, yeah, I mean, they're I showing. Mean, it's amazing to me. Sometimes it makes me wonder if it's just because their name is Stellantis. You know, and look, they have people that know the system and how to get these things approved and what the patent offices yes. look for and all that. Uh, because this is so simplistic. Sometimes I, I, you know, I've always thought if it's too simple, you know, the patent office tends to frown on that. You're not going to get your patent, right? But this it, is it pretty does. basic. 
It is pretty basic. What you see is a battery pack for the, the, the entire battery pack for the EV itself and then a standalone battery by itself. Um, and again, we don't really have any range information or, or anything like that to tell you, but this is merely speculation at this point. Um, uh, yeah, there, there really isn't anything else. Yeah, it appears, though, that, it's, that there's like an 800-volt pack, a 400-volt pack, fast charging. It, if that's the case, then it looks like it could have the capacity to get you, say, an extra 50 to 75 miles to get you off the road and further. But like you said, it could be for performance reasons. Well, let's um, be honest, Jay. If you're the first company to develop a flux capacitor, are you really going to put that in the patent? You have to be somewhat vague <laughs> yeah. about it, right? Uh, right, <laughs> right. Marty. I mean, you can't show you can't show your hand yet. Right? right, exactly. So could this be the new uh, the first time machine? Yeah, you yeah, never know. Could be. You never know. So we'll um, come back and see us. Make sure you subscribe. Thanks for watching that and listening to us on that. So uh, you know we'll, we'll catch up with you soon on on the other side when further news becomes available. So there you go. Okay. What else we got, man? All right. Um, man, this this just feels like another... Is it an I told you so? I don't know. Like, let's let's get into <laughs> it, and then you can decide, or we can let the audience decide. Right. Uh, Koenigsegg's got an electric motor. Yep. Now, they've been toying around with a lot of alternate fuel sources for a while. And mm-hmm. understand that this thing is tiny. So... Yes. Yeah, you could say, well, everybody's getting into the EV game and everybody's got their electric motors. Yes, but this thing produces 335 horsepower and it's the size of a six-pack of beer. Yeah, yeah, it's like a quarter of the size of what the... And I'm talking cans, Ford, not bottles. Yeah, cans. And, and in <laughs> fact, uh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, look, this thing is about a quarter, if if a quarter, the size of of what one of the um ford illuminators are um wait what'd you say did you give them the weight already 63 pounds um they're naming this thing the quark q u a r k uh it's actually was developed for their gamera four-seater which is basically a a uh four-seater uh hypercar um that hypercar is a 1,700-horsepower hybrid with a camless three-cylinder engine in it. Um, it's a 2.0-liter twin-turbo system, 600-horsepower, uh, and 442-foot-pound uh, of torque. That is just the the um, engine. The twin-turbo three-cylinder has the 600-horsepower. Then they stack these um, core uh in, uh, I feel like we just, it's turned into a sci-fi like yeah 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 but it's it's like, pretty interesting man we're in the ready room talking about battle plans here and how do we get out of like the latest like quantum entanglement I don't I don't know sorry I digress go ahead right well what what's what's crazy about this thing man um, let's see the peak power uh, f- and torque figures are only available for 20 seconds is what they say, which is common with most electric motors. You get that boom and then it flat outs. That's right. where the, the gas in the hyper uh, hypercar, the uh, Gamera, uh, comes in handy. Yeah. Um, after 20 seconds, the figures drop to 134 horsepower and 184 foot-pound of torque. Um, and, that ha- the, and that's good for the Gamera because it has three of these 
and a 600 uh, horsepower three-cylinder motor. Um, now, what I thought was interesting. Oh, can can I can I just I'm all over this one. Can I? Can yeah, go I, ahead. Go okay. go go. So, go. <laughs> so I think this is even possibly bigger news, and I can back this up because we've seen it. Jay and I yes. have seen it first person. They are also making a drive unit that has two of these. Are, are we going to go with quarks or quar or two quark motors or what? It's two of them. Let, okay. Two of them. Yeah. So the same, the same motors that we just talked about, they're, they're making a drive unit. And it's got two of them, one on the front, one on the back, and then an inverter in between them. Okay. Right. This thing makes 670 horsepower. And it's basically, as I understand it from what I'm reading, it's a crate motor. Right? right. Yeah. Well, gosh, Jay, people aren't buying electric crate motors, are they? <laughs> no. No electric crate motors. That None, Ford zero. Illuminator isn't them. sold out. No. Uh, and this thing is designed for aircraft as well as marine, by the way. Um, uh, the uh, EVTOL or VTOL, whatever. The, uh, vertical, vertical takeoff, takeoff and landing. Yeah. landing vehicles. Yeah. Um, this thing is designed for that. And the, this is... I had a guy made a comment, and we'll we'll get you. You're going to make it on our mailbag because we'll 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 talk about it. So this thing's going in my boat, and he was talking about the Ford Illuminator, and it it a bell went off going. You know what? Yeah, yes, somebody will. Yes, right. Absolutely. So man. they're calling this one the Terrier. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, again, you know, pow, pow, where you get this power from is going to be the problem. You know, how what kind of batteries, how heavy they are, and all that. But um, if you're doing a hybrid build or you're doing it for racing applications where you don't need any more than maybe 50 to 100 miles of range, it's perfect. And don't take my word for it or Jay's word for it. Take the word of the, the people that are already making these electric crate motors and they're sold out everywhere. Right. Like right. there is a demand for this stuff. Absolutely. There is. And the fact that a VIP manufacturer of a hyper hypercar. Like Koenigsegg is using electric, you know, motors in a hybrid type situation. That tells you the not only from from an EPA standpoint, and when I say EPA, the global climate change pledge that everybody has made to get to zero emissions. Mm -hmm. This is again, this is a bridge to that next level. The fact that they are getting this type of performance out of these things, and let me, let me just give this to you. The 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 Gamera, which these things were are in already, um, it's uh, uses a flex fuel engine designed to run on renewable alcohol. Uh, it combines with a hybrid system for an astonishing seventeen hundred horsepower and two thousand five hundred and eighty one uh, foot pounds of torque. Claims Koenigsegg claims it'll hit sixty two miles an hour in one point nine seconds. <laughs> I mean, so, we're getting to the point where it's going to be physically impossible for people to hang on and control these vehicles. Absolutely. I mean, it's insane. This is what, this is approaching fighter jet takeoff G-Force. Like, not right. quite, but we're getting there. Right. Now, here, here's the other thing. You can throw away your manual transmissions at this point. If, they're, if you're going this route, all those <laughs> yeah. patents. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Unless they come out with a way to give you that feel on on this just to give you a feel like they 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 um they have piped in sounds inside the mustang maquis to make you sound like there's an exhaust yeah i mean i think you know the application is where it changes so you know 
it used to be that the manual transmissions were a big deal in performance cars. Right. I think that the performance cars are now, you know, there's there's an electric there's an electrification there for a reason because of that instant torque, right? That that right. acceleration that's just raw power. Correct. Um, but where we're seeing the need for that manual control of when you shift is in the overlanding crowd. And that is a huge crowd. That's not going away anytime soon. So I think it's not it's just it's just transferring itself to a different application. It's not going right. away. Exactly. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um this will be exciting. We're going to keep you guys up to par on where this is going to go. We're going to keep, continue to follow this. I think this is very interesting. It'll be interesting to see where they take this and what this ends up in. Um, I personally want to keep following this. And if we get side shot to follow this, that'll give him a little project to work on. And we'll have him on one of our podcasts to talk about this Koenigsegg electric motor. Um, that is going to be available to you as a crate type motor, and uh, we'll see. The future is endless with some of this stuff, man. In my opinion, this is great. Yeah. I it, love it. it. So, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Okay, man. Um, wow. Whew. What a what a what a uh, what a full full podcast. I'm this telling been, you. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. The hits just keep on coming. So, um, you got anything else you want to add? No. Before we close out? No. Close out? I think no. uh I think that's a wrap as they say for for this one. Another one in the can. Yep, and I'd like to say thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Um don't forget to subscribe to both the audio podcast over at parscountyguru.com um and then click the podcast link button and then make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash parts counter gurus. Thanks if you are already subscribed. We appreciate it. If you comment on any of this stuff. You can comment on our website, or you can comment on any of the videos released. You just might end up on the mailbag, so be prepared for that. So, you want to close this out, man? I I gotta tell you, yes, uh, gladly. I I sometimes uh, just a lot of times, ironically, while I'm driving, you know, I'll come up with these little like things to say or ideas or you know whatever pontifications right <laughs> and um lately a lot of legacy comedian like a lot of guys like richard Pryor and george carlin have been hitting the you know like the twitter cycles they've right. been trending as they say right. right yep and um and sometimes i'll just run across something so just insanely like profound or hilarious <laughs> that it just throws everything that that i thought i was going to do out the window and, yeah. and such is the case today because I ran yeah. I ran across a quote from George Carlin, uh, and I just thought, man, this is this is great. This is it like, can't be I, bad. I have yeah. to share. It can't it, be right? bad. Yeah. So here it is, everybody. So the very existence of flamethrowers proves that sometime, somewhere, someone said to themselves, you know, I want to set those people there over there on fire, <laughs> but I'm just not close enough to get the job done. All right. Uh, that's my pal Jay over there. I'm Keith. Thank you guys for watching, listening, subscribing, all that good stuff. We'll see you next time, everybody. Until then, take care. Up, We've got some exciting news. Let me do that over again. I didn't want to do okay. that. Okay. Okay.
Take take okay. two. Okay. And, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Take two of pot yet to be named podcast segment. The part. uh parts counter gurus podcast. <laughs> Three. Three. Two. Hey, coming up on today's podcast, we've got some exciting news for you, Ice Mountain Bronco <laughs> reservation holders. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I need a minute. <laughs> what? Uh, hang on. I wasn't ready. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real this time. Okay. Ah. All right. Three, two. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a... Oh, don't worry about me. I'm just hacking up the bone. (laughs) 